This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome everybody to your latest episode of Every Step Along the Way. So, travel down to Bristol City for an away game. And yet again, we conceded two quick goals, didn't we? And then we came back and won 3-2. Mike, what's going on? I don't know. There wasn't Stoke City, was it? Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, very not Stoke City to happen, but uh, it's exactly what the away fans have deserved, to be honest, for all the all the travelling and efforts and everything everyone's gone through so far this season. Um, yeah, it was absolutely deserved, mate. Let's well just dive straight into this game, haven't we? There's a lot, lot to digest. So the team before the game, how did you feel when you saw the team? I mean, there was no Vidigal, um, but four at the back. Rose instead of McNally. Um, obviously, Loren kept his place. He was under a bit of pressure. And yes, was it uh, was it a team you expected to see? You know what? By and large, pretty much, yeah. Uh, I think obviously the fact that Vidigal wasn't there again uh, makes it a little bit more difficult in terms of that front three. Wesley deserved his start. I thought he was really decent against Preston. It was probably one of the very few shining lights out of that game. So I think he had to definitely start. I would have gone for McNally over Rose, if I'm honest. I think most Stoke fans would have done. Um, again, other than that, I think we both nailed the defence from our choices. I think we'd all said that Gooch was going to go left back. Henry was going to go right. Uh, he obviously wasn't going to drop Josh Loren uh, at, at this point. I think it's doesn't seem to be something he wants to do. And, you know, Pearson's picture himself. So I would actually say that that was pretty much bang on, bar Rose for McNally. I think most fans would have been there or thereabouts with the rest of the team. Yeah, I think it was pretty, like I said, he sort of is picking itself at this point due to, like, injuries and... Stuff, or at least what Alex Neal looking to pick is becoming more and more obvious, shall we say? What What do you think to the whole? Um, obviously, Berger was was the one man who was starting constantly. Um, obviously, Johnson's come in instead of uh, instead of Berger. Uh, you could kind of say. So, uh, what do you think the thinking is there? I mean, you made a comment I think last week that you know you didn't think that Berger and, and Loren, for example, could work with each other. Do you think that's something he's seen or? Has he not maybe seen enough from Berger to, to warrant a start over over Johnson? I think it might just be that he doesn't want to rush him back because Johnson's playing well, isn't he? He, he may be that he sees him. 
like he sees him as coming in for Johnson. So when he does put him back in the side, he's probably going to put him in for Daniel Johnson because that's where he was before. But at this current time, he maybe looks at it and thinks, well, DJ's playing well. And this guy, you know, could be a key player for us this season. The last thing he wants to do is rush him back, have a recurrence of this injury and him going, you know, being out for a bit longer. So, and it then does become like a recurring issue. So I think maybe it's just that he wants to keep things, you know, he, he, because of DJ's higher performances in midfield, shall we say, left wing back, he's had one good game, one bad game. But when he's playing midfield, he's pretty much, the, you know, a good creative attacking force, isn't he? So by him playing that way, he's sort of taking the pressure off the rush to get Berger back in that particular position. Me and myself, I mean, I, I, we don't want to turn this into a, you know, we've already mentioned Josh Lorraine. We're going to go back to him. No doubt we'll come back to him later. Don't want it to turn into a piling on him. But for me, it would be Berger doing the sort of, you know, these sort of uh, box-to-boxy type things where, you know, where you can play attack and he's good in attack and defence. Um, you're great on the ball, spreading the play. you got your Ben Pearsons there, just, you know, enforcer mopping things up and Daniel Johnson's you man who gets his head up looks forward and looks to create chances out of your midfield yeah no, I, 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 I can see that Dan I, I mean I, I get it it's it's a big call to drop your captain though isn't it I think it's a it's a big statement I don't think any player though whether you're a captain or, or whatever I don't think anyone should be above being dropped um, and different people got a lot of opinions on, on lineups it always happens I think that as you said we'll, we'll come back to Josh but do you know? Sorry, do you know what it could be with Josh as well? We mentioned about this team gelling and the lack of experience in the championship and the lack of, you know, um, sort of knitted together in this sort of in this club as well. And obviously, Josh is one of the very few currently in there that has both played for Stoke before and sort of got regular champion, you know, couple hundred games championship experience under his belt. So. If you do take Berger out again, are you sorry? If you put Berger in for for Josh, are you then sort of asking even more of this team to knit together and gel and learn, rather than well, at least we've got you know a man in the middle there. Now, you know the midfield itself at the minute, Pearson, Johnson, and Loren is quite a um, a championship, ex- you know, quite good championship experience there, aren't we? And obviously, then maybe they're hoping that that can spread out into the rest of the team. I mean, championship experience, but if you're not playing well, you don't play. I don't care whether you played 50 games or 500 games in the championship. If if, if you're not if you're not on form, for me, you get dropped. I, I know what you're saying. I do get it, and there could very well be something in that. Um, I just, I'm just at the point now. I mean, we'll again, we'll we'll go into it later. I mean, I, I put a post out as you've seen on Twitter, um, and it wasn't actually meant to be an attack on Josh at the time. Um, it was more to kind of highlight, you know, Ben Pearson's. Brilliant defending at that moment. Uh, it just ended up. The more you analysed it, it just turned into more of an embarrassing defensive display from from Josh. And it's things like that that um, no doubt if I've seen it that you know the club have seen it. And Alex Neal's probably looked at it several times. It, it needs needs a bit of a kick. I don't know what it is with Josh at the minute. We've got this captain's curse, um, which obviously is only tongue in cheek. But you know anyone who seems to get the captain's armband seems to be struggling recently. And I don't know what. The solution is other than dropping him to try and I don't know is he feeling too secure in his position? Um, 
I haven't got an answer for you. Only Josh knows that. Uh, but I think we're at that point now where any other player within reason, I think, has already been dropped. So Josh, for me, can't survive. I would much rather have Berger in that position that you you pointed out. That's the way that I'm going to go. Um, I think for going forward, and maybe we, you know, Josh can come back and you know stamp his authority again in you know five six games time. But I think he's he's got to the point now where there's a lot of people on him. Every time he makes a mistake going forward, everyone's going to be on it. Uh, so I think for for Josh's benefit as well, he probably needs taking out the limelight. And if you think about you know. A captain's uh, well. This is. Oh, I feel like I'm just going to a, a Josh Loren rant here. So, the one thing that I that even people who weren't Stoke fans, I've heard it twice in the last week. Do you remember when Vidigal came out and uh, defended the club against Preston? What was the one thing, Dan? And you, you don't even need me to tell you. What was the one thing that everybody said about that situation? Would you like to complete my sentence for me? Where's your captain? Exactly. Where are the balls to come out as a captain and say, we screwed up this week, I wasn't good enough, or this wasn't good enough, or that wasn't good enough? Why are we sending out the one player who has nothing to apologise for? I know, I was like, of all the people to be there sort of grovelling an apology, he's the, you know, the one who can probably sit there and say, well, I've done my job, lads, <laughs> what about yours? Well, that shows character or lack of character for me, Dan, and I don't want to be too harsh, but the captain should want to come out I'm sure if Josh went, oh, don't worry, don't worry, you know, Andre, I'll go out there, I'll have a, I'll have a word. There's no way anyone would, would refuse that. That should be the captain's responsibility. People say, oh, referees, the crap. When they make a mistake, they should come out and have a word with the media. Yeah, go same goes for the players as well. So, no, I'm sorry, Josh, you either need to book your ideas up or you need to get dropped because it's showing a lack of character. And if I'm the rest of them players in that dressing room, Unless he's got a character that we aren't seeing, and you know he's having that presence on the training pitch and and around the actual squad, all I'm seeing as a player is someone who's not coming out to the media to defend bad performances. Is uh, is basically coming out with like, obviously bad performances, or you know, he's he's you know, walking around a pitch. We look that that video I put up right. So what was the one thing that Josh was doing in that scenario? The, the, the attacker was there, he was walking back, and there's Josh Loren, just little hops forward, walking walking pace. If Ben Pearson's not there to stop that that attempt, we potentially go and lose that 3-2. Like, there's no excusing laziness. And people give Tyrese Campbell, you know, a lot of abuse for uh, apparent laziness. That's exactly what that was. Ball watching, not, not having a desire to go and stop things. It was just trawling through the game. So, uh, yeah, and again, I'm not going to say any more on Josh. I don't want to turn into a Josh rant because it wasn't all down to him. It's just noticeable week after week now. Um, one thing I will say, not on Josh Lorraine, but on that scenario that you highlighted with that sort of excellent piece you put on Twitter was um, that's the difference between Jordan Thompson and Ben Pearson. If Jordan yeah. Thompson's played that role, no offence to him, he, he doesn't think the same way. He doesn't cover the same way, and that's three two to you know three two to Bristol City, isn't it? And we probably will go on to lose the game. But I mean, we've had a bit of a rant there. We've had a bit of a negative. Whether we've got that out of our system, let's let's get the positivity going. So we whether, do we need to cover the goals? I mean, I think we. I feel like the Bristol City goals. We've seen them many times already this season. Shall we just say, if you go back and look at any sort of defensive. <laughs> 
uh, shambles that we maybe had, then you will see the first one and the second one. Who, Henry, if you're going to play the ball back to the keeper, mate, try and make sure you don't leave it 20 yards short. Is, is all I'll say on that one. You know what? That That is actually um, a great way of looking at it. Yeah, you're right. First goal, poor defending, not headed away at the, at the near post. Um, again, who was the man? Who was marking the, the main player on the front post? Yep, Rose. So once again, we don't do that well. You're right, spot on. If you're going to play it back, play it at pace. Um, and even then, he's just not looped. And I think you know, I was making this point to my dad earlier on. We know that you know Henry is not great at his defending, but what he offers you going forward, you know, you look at the equalising goal for Aksabanovic. You know, that's where Henry really comes into his own is in that attacking position. Do we just need to accept that? He's going to be frail. He's going to make mistakes at the back. Well, do we just accept that that's a, an essential part of of his game? We might cock up a little bit at the back, but going forward, he gives us enough to to kind of balance it out. Because I think for an all round brilliant you know defender and a brilliant attacking defender, very few of them are, actually exist. So, do we just need to accept it's a necessary evil of of playing Henry? Well, put it this way: if he could defend as well as he attacked. He wouldn't be on loan here, would he? He'd be playing for Wolves in the Premier League. I'd argue he'd be playing for somebody better than Wolves if he could do both of them. <laughs> yeah. It's like, for me, I was like, oh, Wolves obviously looking at him and thinking, yeah, he's really good going forward. We, he can probably affect games even in the Premier League going forward, but he's too much of a liability for them at the back. So we'll send him on loan to Stoke. Hopefully, one or two things will happen. Either he'll improve his defensive ability... And to a point where we can play him in the Premier League. I mean, by the time he improves his Premier League ability, by the time he improves his defensive ability, Wolves probably won't even be in the Premier League at this rate. But that's another story. <laughs> um, or the, obviously, the option B is that he might not quite get to that level, but he gets to a level where a club like Stoke or another Championship club will say, you know what, we'll take him here and we will give you two and a half, three million quid for him, and we'll take him off your books. Um. And obviously that's then, to pay £9 million for him, that, that then comes to the point of when does that fee and the you know, the FFP balance and all that become uh, a viable sale for them? Um, yeah, so at this point, 2-0 down. Um, the Alex Neal out mob are sharpening their knives and, and you can understand at this point why. Because <laughs> it looks like another two goals conceded very quickly together. Another defeat seems to be looming. It would be, I think, six games without a victory. And yes, and again, that we maybe didn't go in with confidence, but I imagine even you know, even the most sort of um, negative of state fans deep down would look at it and think, you know, we, we could get a result here if we turn it on today. And again, we didn't look like we were going to go anywhere. The match is going. We weren't actually that bad, to be honest. The, the performance, we weren't, out, we weren't like being massively outplayed or anything, were we? It was just defensive frailties and, and mix-ups of costas again. Step forward, our Algerian sensation, Lloris. What a goal that was to get us back in the game. And it just, I mean, I, I saw some people say that um, basically he's not, he's not, he, he he didn't deserve his place and and he was he didn't really do much else. Or I mean, and, and people saying that um, 
if that goal hadn't gone in, we'd have lost four or five nil. But uh, surely the fact that you've got players in your team that can score from nothing and that changes games, surely you want them kind of players in your team? The whole if if you're up against it and then someone just scores and the click of a finger, the match has turned on its head and you're now in the ascendancy. Surely you need them players around, don't you? I think he hit the nail on the head, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And you know, you, as you said, you look at the goal; it was an absolute perler. Um, whoever, whoever scores it, you know, it's it's, it's a cracking goal. Uh, he's a player that, um, you know, he hasn't had the consistency like some some of the lads that that we've had in. To be honest, you know, he's played at right back, right wing back, right right mid, right forwards. Um, you know, he's been he's been kind of down that, that right-hand side. But, you know, he's every time he's played, he's always had two or three other players that he hasn't played with alongside him. So you've got to give him a little bit of a break there. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I haven't been blown away by him from when, when I've seen him. I thought, again, even when we mentioned about the cup win, you know, the 6-1 kind of cup win, I thought he was relatively invisible. And then he obviously pops up with a goal. So... <sighs> It's one of them. Like you've, you've got to, I think you've got to give him a little bit of time. I aren't sure where his best position is right now, if I'm honest. But I, 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 again, the the jury's out for me still. But you can't fault the finish. Um, to say we're going to go on lose five six nil without that goal. I mean, I, I want your crystal ball if that's what is that what you can predict. Like you, you don't, you really, really don't know. It's like the whole Liverpool thing the other day, saying, oh, you know, if that goal goes in, Liverpool go on to win. Well. Not necessarily. You know, they might, they, if they, if they would have gone two on up, they may have not had two players sent off because they wouldn't have gone in for tackles. There's so many variables in football. So no, for, for me, Dan, I agree. I think Lloris is an interesting one. He's going to be, I don't know, he's going to be like a Jacob Brown, isn't he? He's going to be playing a bit of everywhere. He won't ever blow you away, bar the odd little special moment. Um, but he'll just be a solid player. I think that's all he's going to be for us. Yeah, I think you can see the technique and the talent in him with those two finishes, can't you? Because the Rotherham goal was a cracking finish as well, wasn't it? Right at the, you know, the postage stamp on the top corner. Um, yeah. And I think what he says, like you say, he's been messed around a bit, you know, right back. I mean, he's a right winger who can play right wing back. That doesn't mean he can play right back. And that's where we, and that's where he got a bit of a kicking off Stoke fans because of his performance there. And it's like, well, he's, he's Really, it's not his. It's not his natural game. He's like, um, it's like when Victor Moses played right wing back for Chelsea, didn't he, all those years ago? You wouldn't have expected him to play about four right back. You know, he hasn't got that kind of sense. And I think as well, I can't. I can't remember many Italians coming over from Serie A and playing in in the Championship. I don't know if you can. Um, but he's played, you know, he's played his entire career in Serie A, hasn't he? He's played, you know, which is, which, well, let's be honest, if he's got the amount of games he has at that level, he, you know, he's obviously got something about him. But there's probably a reason why there aren't many um, Serie A players or Italian players that come over and play in the Championship. It's because you really, it's chalk and cheese. You've got a really slow, methodical build-up in Italy. Um which, you know, tighten it defences and you have to bide your time. It's all about, sort of, you know, you, you sort of pass and move around to create gaps. Um, and then, obviously, at, at the Championship, it's the complete opposite, isn't it? It's frantic, it's constant. It's, you know, the pace and the intensity is at a completely different level. So, it's like, what do you, 
you, you've got to give him a bit of time, haven't you, to, to bed in. And obviously, shoehorning shoe him around that right hand side, up and down every day, isn't going to help either. I don't think, like you say, I don't think he's going to be an amazing player, but I think he's shown that he's got technique and he's got good ability. It's just um, coaxing that out of him. And he's also got fantastic weight rates. I think that's been on show. And I don't think we can turn that down at the minute. I think when, when the chips are down, like they were on Saturday, somebody like him, not just putting it in, leading the press, pushing, uh, harassing people, but also you know capable of you know fantastic things like his. I think he could be a, a real valuable member, especially like, you know, games like Saturday. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and what did you think of the um the second goal? It was a really well worked goal, wasn't it? Actually, you know, that, some nice little movement down the the right hand side. Uh, again, we you know we mentioned Henry. Uh, you know, he plays a lovely uh, kind of cut back. Haksabanovic, and you know, he screams of Arnie to me every time I've seen. I just see an out of it. Do you know what? I, I, when I first watched him in the first couple of games, he was Arnautovic. He had the swag. He's got the swagger of Arnautovic. Anti, the I am the best player on the pitch, and you know I'm going to prove it to you. He's got that kind of feel to him, Anti, when he's out there. Um, very much, you know, very confident, self belief. But do you know, do you know, like in his actual sort of playing style on Saturday, that goal he scored, that was Shakiri to me. Out to those three, you know, you think of who he, who he reminded you of, how he sort of, you know, come run, you got in front of the defender inside foot, he finished there. That was a shack finish. That's how I saw it anyway. Um, it's, you know, the movements and everything. But either way, I mean, if, if he's going to be a hybrid of those two players, he's going to be bloody good, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. But I think it's just for me, while he, he's one of them players that you can give a true kind of free role to, you know, he runs around. Again, I've said it several times. I'd love to see a heat map on that guy. He is all the way across, left to right of that front three. And, you know, I think you really can. If you've got other players that are willing to do their jobs properly, you can really let him have that free reign. Um, and he's only just getting started. Let's not forget, you know, he's not had any continuity at all with the players around him just yet. So I'd love to see an on-form Hatsavanovic a Vidigal, um, and then whoever else wants to take up the other position, whether it's Tyrese or somebody else. But um, I think he's going to be a, an exceptional player for us this season if he stays fit. And again, you talk about game changers, I think he could be one of them, Dan. I really do. Uh, but it's a good essay. Yeah, he got in front of his man, puts it through uh, the kind of thing, defender's uh, legs pretty much from, from what I remember um, and straight into the bottom corner. Uh, so really, really good finish. And it's not very often that Stoke come from 2-0 down to get a point, never mind 2-0 down to get a win and Nathan Lowe scores it for you. Uh, very, very rare. Well, you you mentioned that, you know, whoever's going to take that third spot down the middle. I mean, 18 years old, he's turned 18 this week, hasn't he? And, and now he's got his first pro goal so he's uh he's staking his claim or starting to at least obviously i think what we need to do is make sure that we nurture him and develop him right don't get carried away don't expect him now to oh well he should be starting against southampton and, and leicester and you know he deserves 10 games up front now because i think you can you, you can do more damage by sort of pushing too much too soon he's got a goal by all means now, I think that'll give him confidence. It'll give Alex Neil confidence in him. But I, do you mean, I was impressed. With, I mean, people can sort of criticise Neil sometimes. 
Um, obviously, he had to make the uh, Shamadu change at half-time and Tifa Gooch, because Gooch was injured. Um, but the, the other subs, you know, I thought they were decently decently timed subs, if I'm honest. And I thought to give Mason Lowe 25 minutes for Wesley when the game was 2-2, I think that showed real um, belief in the lad. And then that's only going to give him more confidence as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly that, Dan. We, we, we've said, haven't we, before, you know, the other option would have been Dwight Gale. Um, Dwight's had his chance 10 times over. Uh, I think that was a true signal, actually, uh, to Dwight and the fact that, right, you've had your chance. Now we're going to hand the reins over to somebody else. I said to you last week, I'd rather a Nathan Lowe come on and have the same chances that Dwight Gale gets because Nathan Lowe is young, He's hungry. He's going to learn from his his mistakes. He's going to learn from different opportunities and the players around him. Dwight Gale is an older player who's stuck in his ways and his head is not in the game, unfortunately. I really wish it was because there's obviously been a good player there in the past. But now's the time for Nathan Lowe. I agree with you 100%. He should not be starting yet. So people don't need to give him that that pressure. Let's keep bringing him on, you know, 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there. And if he keeps popping in with the odd goal, that's when you build him up and maybe give him an opportunity, maybe in the FA Cup or something like that to, to have a have a decent run in the Cup games and just see where he takes him. This season might not be his season. This might just be a few cameo appearances as a substitute, maybe knock up four or five goals over the course of the season. The amount of confidence that would do. There's not many 18-year-olds that come into the championship and score four or five goals in the first season. So, yeah, not too much well, pressure just yet. As well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, it just... I know it's exciting. We all want this big, you know, this great youth signing, you know, this lad who's come through is a Stoke fan. We've seen it a number of times before with players in the past. Let's not forget this. And the peter away and disappear. So a little bit of patience and we could have a really good player. Let's not destroy him before he's even had a chance to learn. Yeah, let's hope he's um let's hope he's not another sort of Mark Goodfellow type. If you remember him, he sort of burst on the scene into other a year goal when he was 19, I think, scored against Charlton when, in the Cup when they were Premier League team. Everybody thought he was going to be fantastic and um, his Stoke career at least sort of, sort of petered out, never really lived up to those sort of heights that you expected after that night. Um, well, Ollie Shenton, uh, Adam Shenton. Rooney. Yeah, I mean, Adam Rooney went on and had a, a really good career, to be fair. Um, well, yeah, but... But his Stoke career, obviously, scored that hat-trick, didn't he, under, at Brighton under Johan Boskamp. Um, again, 18 years old, and but never never kicked on from that, really. Then he, obviously, Tony Pulis came back and and uh, Peter Coates' money uh, came back. <laughs> and we invested in sort of people like Ricardo Fuller. And, like I say, Adam Rooney, whilst was always a, him and Martin Patton were always decent substitutes, they never really um, managed to get themselves a decent run of starts, did they? Because we were always capable of bringing in a, a Creswell or a, a Creswell, a, a Fuller, Sadibi was there. Uh, Vincent Pericard obviously got brought in. So they were sort of down the pecking, pecking order a bit, weren't they? But like you say, you say, you say, you say get... a good... Sorry, mate. You, you say a good a good career out of him. I'm not being funny, but I think you could have had a good career in Scotland as well. So it doesn't mean too much. <laughs> um, 
anyway, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to discredit that because, um, uh, you know, another, it's been a good place for Stoke uh, youth, youth strikers up there. Uh, Louis Maltz back up there now, banging goals in after, uh, you know, a spell. I think he played for Dundee he played for Dundee United, he did, for a few years. Got himself a move down to into England and then he sort of I think he did his knee whilst he was at Preston and that sort of did for his Preston career I think he's back in Scotland and banging the goals in again so yeah he's uh, a hotbed of former Stoke youth strikers as the Scottish League um, right so this one as well we were just talking there weren't we and you mentioned Dwight Gale as it's time could be up do you know what when the manager said, if you, Nathan Lowe's um, interview after the game, where he's very well spoken, may I add, isn't he very, very, he speaks very good English, very clear. You can tell he's not naturally from Stoke. He's obviously from the South originally, and he moved up to Stoke when he was 10. Um, and he's been in the academy, what, for eight years now? So, you know, he, he might, might have just left you out a little bit of a pottery uh, accent, but no, he's he's very well spoken. You can have him on here. <laughs> Come speak to us, Nathan. Um, so, yeah, he, but, um, yes, obviously, he's, he's, he's there, Dwight Gales, um, now behind him. And he said, like the manager said, we went Bournemouth, uh, he was really impressed with it at Bournemouth, told him to go out and do the same thing again, but try and score me a goal. So, that to me says that. You've done more in that game at Bournemouth than Dwight Gale's been doing most of the season. So now, you know, I, I do trust you in that cameo. You've shown me more than Dwight's been showing me. You're above him in the packing order. The goals are going to further increase that gap, which is in front of him. And there's a certain other young striker named Emre Tezgal, who's back in training, who the manager in pre-season was playing. Um, you know, he was leading the line once here in them friendlies. He was, the, you know, the main striker down the middle. Now, I'm not, not by any count saying that Emery's going to come straight back in and start starting games, but the manager likes him. He can see the obvious talent there. He's always praised him up. He's, he don't forget me, I, I, you know, he gave him a bit of a rollicking, didn't he, after that injury? Um, and maybe there was a bit of naivety on Emery's part regarding um, saying how he, he was fit to play when maybe he wasn't, or not reporting sort of, you know, pulls and tears, which. He's obviously, you know, he's obviously thinking, well, I'll just work through it because I don't want to uh, pass off the opportunity to impress the manager. In fact, what he did is maybe annoy the manager slightly <laughs> in that respect. But he's back. And what I'm saying is, I can fully see a situation where he is another striker on the bench and Dwight Gale might not even be getting on the bench shortly. Yeah, and I don't think you'll find many Stoke fans who will have an issue with that. Again, we, we we're in that we're in that situation where I think if if Emre hadn't have Emre hadn't have got himself injured, Dan, um, I, I think he would have. I think he would have been playing a number of times. Maybe we would be in a scenario now where where Gale wouldn't have barely even featured in in, in the matchday squad at all. Uh, so Emre's got a lot to learn. You spot on. I think he really peed the manager off. Uh, with how he was, but I think at the same time, if you know, if Alex, while he must have been annoyed, he must have also thought, Luke, you know, he's he's a young lad, he's ambitious, he's he's desperate to make an appearance. I'm sure, you know, you'd rather have a player like that over a player who really isn't going to put a lot of effort in. So, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that the days of Dwight Gale are probably done now. Yeah, I'm sure Alex Neil look at it as a teachable moment, isn't it? For Emery, that what happened there with the well, obviously with that injury, 
it's an opportunity isn't it, to say, you know, I understand you're eager and you want to impress, but there's, you know, you've still got to be professional about it. And if you're not fit, you're not fit. And you've only, what you all, the only thing you've done here is make the situation worse. And he'll learn from it. He's only, he's only just turned 18 himself, hasn't he? About, was it about three weeks ago? So, yeah, they, they, they're really young lads. To be, to be anywhere near the first team in this age is a massive achievement. They should, you know, they should be really proud of themselves as they are. Um, and if they're going to develop into a great striker, uh, great strikers. Hopefully, we can keep them both happy. Um, you know, and give them enough game time each. Not much else sort of to say. I mean, a fantastic comeback. I mean, that's the just looking at positive and negative. So there's negatives, sort of the defensive realities come back. Um, obviously, we talked about sort of Skipper's performance and um, positives. Yeah, I mean, first first time we've come back from two 0 down since 2008. I think is the last time that was at home to uh, Scunthorpe when we went in two 0 down at half time. Come out and won three two after a second half comeback. Uh, ironically, after playing Southampton um, three days before at home and being three 0 up at half time, and then they came back to draw three. Uh, they came back, sorry, to make it three two, and we held on. Um, so obviously, obviously, with the next game, <laughs> sort of being Southampton at home. So that was the last time, and I believe, uh, thanks to uh, Pete Smith, he believes the last time we actually did it away from home was at Wigan in nineteen ninety nine. Um, quite some time ago. Uh, I, I must admit, I'm not surprised it's been that long uh, because, well, Stoke just don't went from behind. So, uh, yeah, thanks for, for that, Pete. You must have always message Dan and say, uh, with these scenarios, Dan, have a look, mate, when the last time this happened. And, uh, yeah, we can do, must have just message Pete, drop him a, a quick text and say, Pete, when was the uh, when was the last time this happened, mate? And he's normally got an answer. I, I want to know where he gets his information from. Can I access it? <laughs> um, did we put a man of the match out? I appreciate we've probably had about 24 hours now, Dan. We we did. So it's tied at the minute between Mark Travers and Ben Pearson. So uh, the Bournemouth the Bournemouth duo, or uh, ex-Bournemouth in one case. So they have both got 33% of the votes. Nathan Lowe, for his 25-minute cameo, got 15% of the votes. Uh, Larice and Shamadu got 6% of the vote and uh, Lyndon Gooch and Haksabanovic both got 3% of the vote so yeah it's still open we'll leave it running um, until the Southampton game comes around uh, so yeah plenty of time for you to uh, to get on onto our forum and uh, vote for that obviously we will find it at esatw.co.uk does that mean we get the deciding vote then for who we're going to say is man of the match so I'll give you mine then um, uh, yeah, it's Ben Pearson. J- just for the fact that he probably stopped us from losing that game with that one challenge alone. Um, so, so yeah, Ben Pearson gets it for me. Dan, don't know about you. Yeah, if if it if it ends in a tie, then we yeah, Ben Pearson will get the, uh, the the man of the match. I'm happy to second that motion. Just by the way, uh, player of the month. Because we're at the end of September, aren't we now? Uh, Lyndon Gooch ran away with player of the month for September. He got three Man of the Match awards. Um, unfortunately for him, they were all in defeat, so he never scored double points for any of them. But he did get enough points, 108, uh, plus whatever he ends up from this poll, uh, which is enough to secure a runaway victory as September's Player of the Month for every step along the way. So well done to Lyndon for that. 
I think we've always wanted uh, obviously London Gooch to be a, a solid player. You know, he, I think he came with a decent reputation still, and he's proving that he's a, a really good versatile player. So whatever that injury is, again another injury was that six injuries we've had already. Uh, then I just hope that you know he he isn't out for too long. I think when we come into the team in a minute, when we talk about obviously the the game against Southampton, uh, I think the defense is is a bit like the. The strike force, in a way, at the minute, it's picking itself. I think the defence is also now going to be picking itself. But, uh, yeah, really really well-deserved from, from Gooch, and uh, hopefully we'll see him back soon. So let's, uh, let's get into Southampton at home. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Southampton. Now, I'm going to start with some statistics for you, if that's all right, Mike. Is there any other um, any other place to start as the Dadamon? <laughs> not on this podcast, there isn't. <laughs> um, so, Stoke and Southampton have met on 79 occasions. Stoke have been victorious 30 times. There's been 15 draws and 34 Saints wins. At home, though, Stoke have won 21 of the 40 encounters drawing nine times and losing just ten times. Um, Between 1980 and 2007, these two sides met on 13 occasions. There were three draws and ten Southampton wins. So 27 27 years, sorry, they went without a Stoke City victory in this fixture. However, in the last seven games, there's been four Stoke wins, two draws and just a single Southampton win. And that dates back to 2015. However, we have not met Southampton since we were relegated in 2018, so there's no sort of you know real um, recent history between the two clubs. Stoke's home record this season: played six, won four, lost two. Uh, we've lost the last two home games though, uh, conceding two in three minutes on both occasions. Uh, something that we sort of, not quite two in three minutes, but it wasn't far off, was it, on Saturday? So something we definitely seem to be needing to work on. Um, that sort of, uh, sort of uh, how we bounce back from conceding a goal, I'd say. Uh, Southampton's away record. Well, this season they've played five away from home, won two, lost three. Now, they have no clean sheets in their last ten away games since a nil-nil draw at Old Trafford in January. So, yeah, January, nine months now since they last kept a clean sheet away from home. Uh, Alex Neal's record versus Southampton. Uh, played one, drew, uh, played four, won one, drew one, lost two. So, uh, Russell Martin is the guy in the Southampton dugout, the ex-Swansea manager. His record versus Stoke is not very good, let me tell you. He's met Stoke on four occasions, drew once and lost three times. And all three Stoke wins have seen the Potters score three goals in each game. 
So, yeah, I think he's got a very, very um, it's sort of individual way of playing anti-Muslim Martin. He's very possession-heavy and, and that. And I think maybe we as Stoke and Michael O'Neill and Alex, Alex Neal have maybe worked out how to play around that, at least when he was at Swansea. So, um, yeah, something to think about there. Uh, Alex Neal versus our Russell Martin played to 1-1, drew one. Uh, sort of backs that up through the two fixtures last season, which was a 1-1 home draw with Swansea and a 3-1 away win against the Swans as well. Uh, Southampton beat Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday in August, but they since lost 5-0 away at Sunderland, 2-1 away at Middlesbrough, who were on the club's worst ever start to a season at that point, and they've also lost 3-1 at Gillingham in the League Cup. So, yes, it's uh, not a great sort of, you know, a bit of a mixed bag, but not a couple of bad defeats in there, aren't they? You know, 5-0 at Sunderland, um, 3-1 away at Gillingham, even if it was in the Cup. It's not not ideal. Uh, The referee, James Bell, is the man with the whistle. So this season, he's ref seven games, 31 yellows, one red, one penalty. There's been five home wins in them seven matches and two away wins. In his career, he's ref 13 championship matches, uh, 47 yellows, no reds, three penalties, um, six home wins, six away wins, one draw. His last five matches this season have all been home wins, by the way. Hey, I shall be taking that. Yes, so record as well, record against Stoke. Uh, he's refed us twice, uh, won one, lost one, seven yellows, no reds, no penalties. Uh, the ref, the games he did ref uh, was the three-one uh, defeat at West Brom, the last game before the World Cup, and he also uh, refed us in our one-nil home win against Watford. Okay, yeah. season, he was he was pretty solid. He didn't make any big mistakes in that game, from what I remember. Yeah, it was um, it was like I say a pretty steady game, wasn't it? And it was a sort of a bit of a battery game as well, wasn't it? It wasn't very sort of fluid, so he probably had you know a few decisions made with like I say a bit physical, or whatever. And uh, yeah, didn't sort of get overly involved, which is nice to see. Uh, he's ref Southampton once, which again they won. He gave them four yards, no reds, uh, and that game was also this season, which was a two-one home win for them over QPR. Uh, another good thing about him, another to adhere himself to the Stoke fans, he's ref Vale on three occasions and they've lost all three matches, which means to me he's a top bloke. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one little fact about him is he started officiating at 14. Uh, he made the national list of assistant referees at 23 and then uh, decided to choose refereeing over assistant refereeing and was promoted to the national group in 2020. And he's continuing his uh, rise up. So he's quickly getting promoted through. So he's obviously, they think he's got something about him, don't they, this ref? Uh, on this day, so Saturday the 3rd of October, there's a couple of on this days. Uh, let's say Saturday the 3rd. This, this was Saturday the 3rd of October, 1891. Stoke hit the bottom of the football league after losing 9-3 at Darwin. As league rules stated all teams had to play in different strips and Sunderland already had red and white stripes, Stoke had to play the season in black and amber striped shirts. I don't think I've seen that strip or I can't think of it off the top of my head, but either way, it sounds bloody awful. Yes, yeah, so it's probably one of them that you're glad you haven't seen. Uh, the other one, actually, is a little bit... It's, it's got a little bit of a link to, especially after Saturday, 
It was Tuesday the 3rd of October 1978. In the League Cup third round tie at Northampton Town, Stoke gave a, uh, a full debut to Pottery's Bull striker Adrian Heath. Inchi set up the crucial third goal for Howard Kendall as Stoke progressed to the next round where they would beat Charlton. Uh, so, yeah, a young striker coming through there just as we as we were commenting and talking about Nathan Lowe and his, his first Stoke goal as well. So, yes, that is, uh, that is all we've got. Would you, would you like to listen to what Graham's got to say? Go on, he's, he's, he's going to be positive, I've got a feeling. <laughs> Hello there once again you Potters predictors and what a great weekend it was for the two clubs and meeting at the Bet365 on Tuesday night of course Stoke City came back f- from that 2-0 deficit at Ashton Gate to take the three points in fine style and win it by three goals to two Southampton of course well they also have been struggling for results got a fine victory against Leeds United so he sets up nicely for an interesting game on Tuesday night. Can Stoke City build on this particular result or was it just a flash in the pan? I don't think it was. I think there is some talent in the squad and I'm expecting them now to be a bit more confident in front of the home fans to go on and get a result. Southampton though, well they will also fancy their chances having done that result on Saturday and the early kickoff against Leeds. So what's the prediction for this Tuesday night's game? It's interesting. It's been difficult to choose. I was going to go for a draw, but I'm not sitting on the fence. Stoke to edge it. Stoke one, Southampton nil. Cheers for that, Graham. Uh, one nil. Uh, do you know what? I mean, we're going to get into this now, mate. I can't see it being one nil. I think Southampton are poor in defence, but they're they're a definite sort of uh, you know positive up front, aren't they? And and they, they they're going to create chances. I watched them at the weekend against Leeds. Do you know they got there was Adam Armstrong scored then two goals and did you have you, have you seen the goals he scored at the weekend? Yeah, I've, yeah. Of them were where he sort of dived, you know, diverted himself across the defence, come between the left centre half and the left back, made his run. The ball's been played between them two, and I'm just thinking to myself, if ever there was an area of weakness in our defence, <laughs> it's sort of that left back area. Um, as good as Gucci has been playing that, it, it, that's sort of, you know, we're really missing Andy Stevens there, aren't we? I thought, oh, we could have a bit of a field day if he's taking up them kind of positions. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you. I think, yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. They had a good win against um, Leeds. You know, they were, I think they lost, as you said, to, to Middlesbrough, um, I think, kind of the week before that. And, you know, they've lost to Ipswich and Hammond at Leicester and Hammond at Sunderland. So, I mean, yes, okay. They are. I think they're a good-looking team when they go forward. I think you know it's there's plenty of danger there. Their problem is they they love to play the ball out from the back and they constantly make mistakes. It was quite embarrassing watching them do it a few weeks ago. I can't remember who who they were playing, but they conceded I think two goals from stupid uh, passing around the back. Now there's obviously a time and place, especially these days. It's just part and parcel of football. Um, but if you don't learn your lesson or you want to keep trying to flog that horse. You've got to be willing to accept that it's going to cost you games at times. And, you know, maybe they are willing to accept the fact that that will cost them games. But our way of winning this, you know, we like to put pressure on teams. Like, when they've got the ball at the back, we need to have all three strikers up at the edge of the 18-yard box 
covering those players. And then the midfield also need to kind of back them up. We need to be brave because if we hit them high pressure, they will make mistakes. They've proven that they will make mistakes. And all it takes is a couple of them. If We've, we've seen how important the first goal is in this league, Dan. If we get the first goal and then we get the next, I... And it's hot, you know, easy to say, and especially with our bloody set pieces. But I personally think that we would have enough to to control that game. Um, but that's the that's the way you beat Southampton for me. You got to accept that they're going to have moments in the game. They've got some good players, but we need to press them high. If we press them high, we'll win the game for me. For sure, I think, like you say, the pressure on the defense. I mean, obviously, they've got Taylor Harwood Bellis, who you know, obviously had his time at Stoke, and he looked a real good player. Uh, for Burnley, didn't he, last season? In a similar sort of style as well, you know, a lot of keep ball. You know, Burnley averaged, I think it was sort of 70% possession in the second half of last season, uh, which is sort of ridiculous. He doesn't seem yet to have clicked with the players at Southampton, does he? For me, he's he's not quite settled there yet. No, but we, we, we've shown them, haven't we? You know, sometimes it's it's not so simple. Um I don't. I'm trying to think back to when he was playing with us, Dan. I know. I know what you're saying around the whole, the way that Burnley played and, and stuff. I don't remember him ever being this ultimate, you know, centre back who played the ball out, you know, perfection into midfield. I don't remember an awful lot of that. I mean, I, I've, I could just be forgetting it, but um, yeah, I, I don't think I've got any concerns about Harwood Ballas. I, I think there's definite weaknesses there. Um, he's been part of a defence that have absolutely shipped loads of goals. So whatever influence he's got, it can't be completely overbearing. So I, I, I really aren't worried. I think we've got more than enough talent uh, to kind of get around them. I think it could be up up and done by half-time. Dear, you, uh, you're going for a Potter's onslaught, are you, in the first half? Yeah, I, I think I think we'll be 2-0 two, two or 3-1 up at half-time. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, you've got... You mentioned their defensive frailties. I, the other thing I think as well is that um, as, as much as we like to play with the ball and Alex Neal wants us to keep the ball and play with it, for a long time, and even this new Stoke side, I think, they play better without the ball. We seem to get, you know, when we've got that possession and it comes back and we've got that 38% possession or 42%, possession, they seem to be the games we win. Don't they? they seem to be the ones we come out and when we're winning. And I think if, if Southampton want to keep the ball and we sort of... We may just have to be patient. We may just have to, you know, let them let. Like I say, we'll press. We'll press hard and high quickly, and then we may just need to drop off if that initial press doesn't work. Stay solid. Just take our chance to pounce. There'll be, there'll be trigger points where you know if certain players get the ball or if there's certain gaps up here, the team know and they, everyone's got to be switched on with it. And it's like the switch goes and everybody starts pressing because it's that point where you know either somebody who's not so good on the ball's got it or we they've moved into an area that we've realised we can manipulate to our advantage if we win the ball back. And we can, I think, definitely on the counter. If Finnegal's fit, I know it's a bit of a, he's a bit of a, you know, hit and miss at the minute. Whether he's available due to, um, you know, due to this injury, and, and apparently he's he's having trouble sort of turning and sprinting. Uh, but if he if he manages to over, you know, he's, he's overcome that over the weekend, and that I think he could be vital. His pace, um, could could really come in handy here and again, you know, on the counter attack. So my team, Dan, I think you mentioned Vidigal. I've got a feeling that we might have been 
potentially resting him uh, for this particular game. I don't think he would have been too far away. I know he went off with a little bit of a, a limp, maybe for the after effects. So I think he probably could have played at the weekend, but I think we've just, I think we've just been a bit careful, to be honest. So I'm going to give you my team um, and keen to, to get your thoughts um, as well on some of this. So, I mean, forget goalkeeper. Uh, so yeah, Henry for me has to come in uh, at right back. Uh, he's going to be alongside Wilmot and McNally. Now I know that Rose apparently had picked up a bit of a knock. I mean, he was walking around at the end of the game, smiling, happy, no limping from what I could see. Um, so whatever it is, I don't think there's much in it. But for me, I still see the constant frailties uh, when uh, when Rose is in this team. I don't quite know what he sees over Rose than he does with McNally. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and then left back, well, Stevens is out unless he makes some miraculous recovery. Um, and obviously Gooch looks like he's going to be out. So that leaves only one man, and that's Junior. We know that he can play on either side. He has done uh, both. I'd rather him on the right, but uh, I would definitely say that Junior, uh, who came on and did really well, you know, a lot of a lot of pace, which is going to cause any team issues. Um, you know, he's. He, I think he's he's going to be a potentially brilliant player when he gets given a chance. Uh, but w- would you have Junior at left back? I, I I can't see any other option if I'm honest with you. To be honest, I was, was going to make a point as well when I was giving my team junior was at left back. And I was going to say, you know, really, I think we sort of glossed over his, his sort of performance. And I was really impressed with him at left back. I know it's not his natural side. Um, you know, he's playing two divisions higher than he than he has done. And I think, you know, to come on in that situation and help us turn the game around, he was solid at the back. Um you know, he, he, like I say, he's got great pace. He's obviously got, you know, he's got ability on the ball. I'm with you. I think he's a star in the making. And I think his versatility going out on the left as well is just another tick in the box. And if this just gets him into the side until, you know, in, 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 he, he sort of, I can see him keeping Gooch out. when if, you know, if Gooch misses out this game through injury, uh, I think that he may struggle to get back in at left back, at least, you know, until there's a right back spot available, and then obviously Junior, I imagine, would flip across. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird, you know. It happened a lot under the Mark Hughes regime, where you know you have what you think is your first eleven. Who you know, there's a couple of players who aren't quite playing very well. You know, you get a suspension or you get an injury, and all of a sudden you accidentally stumble on the right formation and the right combinations. And I think there's potentially an opportunity here where we're probably going to do the same with Junior. Um, so. Yeah, fine margins, but 100%. I can't wait to see more of him. Um, And then midfield, uh, this is where there's a bit of a change. Not dramatic at all. You won't be surprised to see one person dropped. So Ben Pearson obviously stays in that defensive midfield role, an absolute general. Now we've got Johnson, um, kind of obviously a bit further forward, and Berger replaces, obviously, Josh Loren. So, um, again, I think Berger's... uh, offers everything that Josh does uh, in terms of, you know, the, the kind of box-to-box type of style. We know Berger can, you know, cover in a more defensive position. I think he's got the craft and the, the vision to to play those killer through balls as well. Um, so, for me, Berger is an absolute no-brainer to, to replace Josh. And if Vidigal is fit, Vidigal on the left, Haksabanovic on the right, and Wesley uh, goes up front in the middle as well. Um 
I'm struggling to see beyond that team personally. I don't think there's many other players right now that I would bring in that are going to be better, that obviously are, are fit, of course. Yeah, I've got the same midfield as you. As I, was, I was saying, I'm really happy with sort of base like old cameo as well. And then that ball is a really clever, dangerous ball that he put in for Lowe's goal once. You know, it's one of them that the yeah. goalkeeper can't get, uh, the defence can't really touch because of where it's going. And and obviously, you know, Lowe you know, came in the back post, really showed good um, strikers' instincts to sort of finish it. I'm just thinking, you know, it's six, six game in 18 days, this is. Which is a lot. It's starting to, to you know to take it out of the legs of those who play in, you know the majority of them fixtures. I I think as well you've got Leicester at the weekend. I think I would rest Larice because I think he's going to be more useful against against Leicester when they're in that away game. But I do think we do need that energy high up the pitch, which sort of goes against resting Larice, doesn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, but I think if we can sort of rest his legs a little bit, he'll be more useful coming on 100% against Leicester on Saturday. So Wesley, for me, if Finnegal's fit, obviously he has to play, doesn't he? Uh, if not, then I think I would give John Ho a chance. And I think Aksabanovic has to play as well. I think Wesley and Aksabanovic have proven as well that they, you know, they've got they have got energy. They will you know move around a lot um, off the ball as well as on the ball. And yeah, that that's going to be key. For, like, like we were saying before, um, making sure there's like say plenty of energy in that. I think Josh Loren as well. Let's say I, he is going to be sort of you know for me and for you yourself sort of dropped out. And there is, like I say, there's a lot, been a lot of games recently. And when you are sort of in poor form, sometimes you want another game to get yourself back in form. But I think the way his is going, he's just dropping deeper and deeper. And it may just be him himself. His confidence could be that shot that, you know, a couple of games out, followed by a two-week international break, maybe just perfect for him to regroup. Um, because obviously, you know, fatigue's going to set in. Centre midfield's not an easy position to play, is it? There's a lot of effort exerted playing centre midfield. You know, you do. You know, there's a lot goes into it, and to keep going, like say, three three game weeks, one after another, after another, after another. If he's playing badly, his legs are going to feel heavier anyway. Or he's going to feel that you know, the amount of games he's playing. So, like I say, take him out. Let him have a rest, let him reset, reset his brain, reset his confidence levels, and hopefully come back after the international break. The old Josh Loren that was so um, sort of pivotal, really, in the midfield to how well we were playing last season when we had that good spell, which lasted about six weeks. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, it's a funny mention, Juno. You're right. I think there's, uh, I think there's potentially a, a good player in there. I've struggled to see where he really impacts things when he's been coming on the bench um and you know we're talking about songs for players by the way this crossed my mind earlier now it's really cheesy and uh, yeah it's yeah um thinking about songs for for juno could you could you maybe reenact or or kind of um rejig this song rather What do you think? 
<laughs> could you imagine the, the bet three six five? <laughs> you are the reason that I be- <laughs> believed you know. Come on. <laughs> does does that not work, Dan? No. I, I think we might have more luck on Bay. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Well, that's uh, that's taking you off you uh, your stride, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm just imagining the 27,000 Stoke fans in a packed Bet365 come the end of the season when we're chasing down promotion. Singing Juno, you are my destiny. Yeah. <laughs> Juno, uh, the prem is your destiny. <laughs> there you go. Done. So uh, if any Stoke fans want to uh, try and rejig that song, then uh, go for <laughs> it. So, yeah, um, you're completely off your stance now, and I love it because I completely... Taking you away from that. Um, yeah, <laughs> where were you? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think we will we will likely see another run out for low at some point. I can definitely see that happening. Um, I think whether it's fresh legs to sort of hold on to what we've got if we're in front, or if it's to um, to try and go out and get an equaliser slash winner and get back into the game. I think we'll definitely see him. So that'll be yeah, that'll be encouraging. You know, and I like to you know see academy players given the opportunity and that. And obviously he's earned his you know he's earned the uh, the twenty five minutes he got against Bristol, and obviously what he did in that has no doubt earned him another go against uh, Southampton. So yeah, look forward to see what he can do do at home. So I think if I'm right, I'm thinking all his performances so far, all his appearances off the bench have been away from home. I don't think he's actually played uh, for the first team yet at home. So we shall see. Um, so yeah, I think there's that. Obviously, you know, it's going to be a t- it's going to be a tough game on paper. This they've got an absolutely brilliant side, haven't they? But I think it was was it uh, Brian Clough who said, "Yeah, the game's not played on paper; it's played on grass." So you, let's get it. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're right though. But do you know do you know exactly who they remind me of? Stoke in about five Stoke years City. Absolutely. They remind of us so badly. A team that have got relegated, who look great on paper, you think are going to walk the division and be really successful, and then they come down, they get absolutely hammered, play poorly, uh, make silly mistakes, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they, they're they just a, a Stoke mark too. And, you know, you... you, you it hasn't obviously come out from what I've heard so far or anything like that in terms of like Southampton's media. I've not heard any any grumbles, but they could have the same problems that, that we had. You know, players who have had their wages docked by half, who are, you know, thinking they don't deserve to be in that division. Um, bad attitudes, bad apples, which could have contributed to getting relegated. You know, we've, we've been there, Christ, we, we should know. Um, and I'm not saying that's definitely what it is, but... You know, it's just Stoke all over. So I'm, yeah, I, I think Southampton are there for the taking. Now, do I think it'll be an easy game? I mean, my comments earlier would suggest so. I don't think easy is the right word. I just think there's a lot of frailties that we can take advantage of, Dan. So, yeah, you mentioned Nathan Lowe. Um, I'd love to see him get back on the pitch. Hopefully the game is won by the time he comes on. But, uh, yeah, I... I'm not worried about this game. This is the one game which, unfortunately, I can't get to. I've got my season ticket, but I can't can't get there. Um, but this is the one game I wish I was going to because I'm I'm feeling really confident. Easy, what one win can do, isn't it? <laughs> do you mind? Yeah, just, just uh, three goals as well. 
And uh, actually, I'm going to go for three goals again. I'm going to go for a 3-1 victory. Uh, I think... Sorry? I said you're a thief. That's what I was going for. Oh, is it? Well, I'm going for a brace for Wesley and a goal for Walterberger. He's going to get his goal. And I think we will... I think we'll be 2-0 up at half-time. I think they will they will score one and we will start panicking, thinking, oh, my goodness, you know what happens when we concede? We concede a second. And within a couple of minutes, I think we'll go down the other end and um, we'll get a third and, and wrap the game up. Well, you've kind of taken the players away from me in terms of goal scorers, so thanks for that. Uh, I'll try and be a bit different then. So I'm going to go for Haksabanovic to open the goal scoring. Um, I think we'll be... Try not to be to the same as you because you're taking it all away from me. Uh, I'm going to say 2-1 at half time. We then get Nathan Lowe to come on and score the third. I think he's going to do it again. Back to back, he's going to secure the win. So, uh, yeah, Nathan Lowe to come on and uh, do do his magic, if you like. So, I'm, 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 I really wish I was going to this game now. Are you, are you going to this one? I will. I will be frequenting the booth and end with an empty seat next to me. The place was like, like a morgue without me there. <laughs> no, but it's, just a, it's, it's, on t- it's on Sky, isn't it? I think Sky. It is indeed. Yeah, oh, well, oh, Christ. Sky, mate. We know we don't do well on Sky. <laughs> <laughs> it's just come to me. You're like, oh, great. Oh, no. But at the same time, uh, yeah. So if, if you don't fancy watching us lose, stay at home. You can might as well just watch, it, watch us lose there. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> That's not that's not the way we do <laughs> we're positive. We've ended we were we were ending so positive. <laughs> we are. Three one win, both sides. Um Graham's gone for a, a win as well. So either we're all gonna get points for the uh, the league table for the season or none of us are by the looks of it. So <laughs> Right, I think I think that uh, I think we're all ready for that game now, are we? Just yes. a, little few, a few little things here that we just need to tick off to, to round off the pod. So, Super 6, uh, yeah, so I got a shocking uh, four points, um, to be honest with you, not uh, not not good at all. Uh, the weeks of me getting 10s, 14s and all that seems to be long gone. Uh, Dan, you got a, a, a not too much better, but still better. Uh, you got seven points um, in total, mate, so really not, not, a, not, not a great week for both of us, let, let's be honest. Um, and then for the week as a whole, Paul Nanji you did really well you got 17 points and then we got a, a ruck of players on 14 so Fraser Burks Gordon Heathcote uh, Jill uh, is, uh, I think Matag I think pronounced sorry if I've absolutely butchered your name uh, Glenn Goodwin Neil Finney and Phil Hopkins all on 14 so you're all doing pretty well season in the whole I've got 62 points uh, we've got a leader at the top it's so so tight so Daryl uh, sorry Darren Goodall, you got 92 points. Nicholas Yates, 91. Ben Dawson with 90. And then we have a lot of you with the high 80s. I mean, there's really not much in it. And Dan, you've got 83. So you are really, really close. You are bossing it so far. Um, I have got a good 21 points to catch up. So you've been racing ahead. So really well done for you on that one. Um, so, yeah, not not doing uh, too great, Dan, but um, I'm sure I can catch up. Uh, certainly uh, not as good uh, with, uh, with that this season so far. But um, shall we have a look at your uh, Super 6? Yes, so Gaffer 
Uh, my team at Stoke Gaffer 693 they're top so well done to you at Jamie underscore Gaffer 659 and Aracian says 647 they are the top three bit of a settled top three now as well as Anthony Hobbs that's in fourth and at Thurgood Joe um, fifth the top five of me it's the same as it was last week uh, I was doing sort of been doing all right, but I've sort of dropped off a little bit in recent weeks, and I'm down to 38 now uh, on 439 points. So a bit, quite a bit of a gap now developing between me and the guys at the top. I'll be honest, you know, all couple hundred points. Uh, so I need to get my act together. Maybe we need to use some of these boosts. I haven't used yet, Mike. I need to have a think about it and to and uh, put some put the hours in to decide where you know try and get myself back level. But yeah, I'm doing well in Super Six, not so well in Gaffer, but there's still uh, there's still time for me to pull that round. Now I hear you've got a quiz for me. Well, yeah, I was sick of being embarrassed to be honest <laughs> by all these who am I's <laughs> and stuff like that. So it is a who am I uh, because I quite like that um, uh, more than anything. I'm well, still conv- that is the Monday quiz, isn't it? Monday quizzes. Who am I? It is, um, and I'm convinced you're going to get this really quickly. I hope not for the sake of the quiz, or else it's going to be a very short one. Um, but uh, but yeah, let's let's see. Um, I've represented twelve clubs including Torquay and Southampton. Start off really hard. That could be so many people. Oh, Torquay and Southampton. 12 clubs. I've, uh, I've no idea off the back of that. Um, no, no, no name I can think of that. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I intentionally made it hard, so that's good. Um <laughs> A signing for the club for a fee of 200000 in 2001 after Stoke fought off multiple clubs for my signature. So 2001, so we would have been in Division 2, which was League 1 at the time. Um, £200,000, that's a decent fee for us back then, wasn't it? You say, you say you had uh, played for Southampton and played Torquay. Do you, do you pay 200000 for a striker, I wonder? <laughs> was that a red herring he's chucking out there, folks? Or is that a real... <laughs> or is that a quiz? Is that a hint or is it a red herring? Is he trying to throw me off? I'm going to give you five more seconds. No, I've got no name right yet. OK. I think you'll start to get this now as we go on. Right. I was a key member of the promotion-chasing team in the 2000-2001 season, making 45 appearances as Stoke lost to Walsall in the playoffs. Right, OK. So, two just thank you. 44 appearances. So, let me think. 45. James O'Connor, 45. So, in that team, we had Graham Kavanagh, James O'Connor. Wasn't them two. We had Peter Thorne up front, wasn't that? Um, who else was playing up front around that time? Maybe Andy Cook. Don't think it would have been him. I don't. Think, I'm going to say no. Uh, Five. I'm going to say Andy Cook, but I don't think it is him. But I'll say Andy Cook. Nope. Okay, this is where you'll start to get it now, right? <laughs> With- with his contract running out in the summer of 2005, several championship clubs were looking to sign him on a free transfer after he stated that he was unhappy with Stoke taking too long to offer him a new contract. He eventually signed for Burnley. 
Oh, I know it is. Wayne Thomas. Correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It all, yes. It all makes sense. I remember talking. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. 200 grand. Right. But yes. It all, it all comes. To, so it's amazing. Now, one thing and all the jigsaw pieces can just come together into it. <laughs> it is. And I thought, um, I thought was as well, this one, definitely the final clue would have 100% got it, was I scored seven goals for the club, including an away game against some fierce rivals after a scrappy goal, running the entire length of the pitch to celebrate. I was in that away end. <laughs> Mate, that was that was great because obviously it was Stoke versus Arsenal, um, yeah. and we went one nil up, didn't we? And I think everyone was like, just uh, yeah. I think we were. I think we were Championship, but they were well, yeah. they, they were the they were the Invincibles. I think really at the time nobody was beating Arsenal. Literally nobody could beat Arsenal. We were like the whole season undefeated, and they had like you know they had like Reyes, Henri, Perez. They were, the, you know, Lundberg, and they were just the attacking players, you know, Vieira, oh, that sensational side, and there we were at Highbury, 1-0 up. <laughs> yeah, it was great. That was uh, the silver away kit, if I remember rightly. Yes, with the blue trim, navy blue trim. Mm. Uh, yes, love it. I enjoyed that. That was really good. You, you can do that again. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> you can take Thank my quizmaster quiz, quiz position. Well, it was going to be between him and Carl Muggleton, by the way. I was thinking oh, about Carl ne- Muggleton. I know who the next one is now. <laughs> no, I will. I'm, I'm going to make it harder than that. To be fair, find, finding any actual information on Carl Muggleton to make five questions was ridiculously hard, actually. Um, so, yeah, it won't be Carl Muggleton. No worries. Well, I really enjoyed that. I also enjoyed Stokes' comeback win, and I'm sure this week I'm going to enjoy his beating Southampton on Tuesday. So, enjoy the game, people, and we shall reconvene here on Friday to talk about those three points that we're going to gain. Go on, Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.